electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Market insight and analysis. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC, Squawk on the Street. Good Tuesday morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm David Faber with Jim Cramer. We're live from Post 9 right here at the New York Stock Exchange. Carl has the morning off. Let's give you a look at futures. You just heard from Becky, of course. We are looking for a lower open this morning. I don't know. We'll see, as we always do. But July ended yesterday, and so our roadmap does start with a new month for stocks. Yes, a new month, Wall Street, coming off what was a strong July. And the Nasdaq and S&P posting five-month winning streaks so far. Of course, it has been a good year for stocks, if you're just tuning in. Plus, it is the busiest week of earnings season, with more than 160 S&P 500 constituents reporting. Merck, Pfizer, Uber, JetBlue, Marriott, Caterpillar. We got a lot of different earnings reports to get to this morning. I mentioned Caterpillar. It did top estimates. Also warned, though, of lower sales and potentially tighter margins in the third quarter. Company CEO will join us later this Seriously, hour. You know, that is just the bearish. Okay, you want this the bearish wrap on it? Yeah, sure. I mean, the but, I mean, you know, like come Caterpillar. on. I mean, they had a great number. We're going to talk about how the fact that they don't even have enough product. And the bears like to get to it very early. This is done. Uh, it's routine. They did it before. They took the stock down from 230 all the way down to 206. Then Jim Umbleby spoke at an investment firm here in town and said, listen, the bears didn't know what they were doing. Then the stock went straight up to 265. So I am absolutely happy to deal right at the front, right in center. 22% top line revenue growth. 22%. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's Um, that's called good. I I didn't mean to get right into the... I'm not uh, disputing that it's good. It is good. But oh, the sorry. only question is whether or not the stock has already accounted for that, as we all know. So, well, they see further weakness in China. Okay, there. You want that? Who doesn't? Who doesn't see further weakness, weakness in, in China? China? Not sure. It's, a, gonna, it's, a, it's, a, it's tonight, an oft-asked question. Starbucks will certainly want to know, right? Yeah. Well, Yum China, I actually read last night. I didn't think it was nearly as bad. Everybody hated it. Mm-hmm. I think we're, we started off on the wrong foot, David. Good morning. How are you? Uh, I'm I'm fine, thank you. Good. And how I'm is very Tupperware, very happy is to be here. Doing? Tupperware's doing great. <laughs> my sales are. How is yours? How are your sales going? At my Tupperware? sales are very good because I've got a huge garage. <laughs> <laughs> you can keep anyway. I, I like. We'll, your we'll line. get to this little mean I, I thing. I think you in a started bit, up but. with something really interesting, which you said that it could be up, could be down. What do you like, J.P. Morgan? Stocks fluctuate. Yeah. Stocks Where was fluctuate. J.P. Morgan when he said that? I do not know. At on his boat, twenty-three book right oh, okay. there. No, on, the, on Corsair 3? Yeah. No. No? Anyway, here's what I think, David. I think that good riddance to the month of July, because in the second half, we had a recapturing of what happened in 2022, which is the memes took over. I don't care for them, because what they the do memes is... Memes took over? Well, really? Well, they started buying it's the first I've that, kind of heard about it. Now, okay, that, well, look that at being Tupperware. said, I, I think be. Tupperware's going to have to file bankruptcy, and yet people are buying it like crazy. Now, why are they buying it? Well, AMC and GME were not exactly well, paragons of, uh, no, of balance sheet stability. There many stocks that moved up in the last three weeks that were heavily shorted. Yeah. And that that was the 
one month from the denouement of 2022 is when this happened. Mm-hmm. So I think it's our job, and we do have a job, to try to get people to focus again on real companies and not on the companies that they're taking up right now just because they're short Okay, positions. but is, is the fact that some of these companies are once again being buffeted by short selling uh, uh, well, short covering. David, uh, the investors are bad. That group of investors. Enthusiasm around but that group these of names. Is uh, that a bad sign? Yeah. Oh, no, no. I like, did, I did like a, with Ben Stotos, my research director, we did a huge number, huge amount of work on the fact that when you get this particular action, Tupperware, of course, can't file its. It's a tiny company, by the way. We should well, mention. no, but I'm saying Tupperware can't tiny, file. Tiny. That's, that, that's, it, it can't, and people I know at the company believe that it, uh, who've worked at the company believe that it cannot file and that therefore because it is insufficient liquidity to make July interest payments, it's not going to make it. But the top 15 stocks uh, that finished in the month of, of July uh, were almost all meme stocks or stocks that were heavily shorted mm-hmm. and that that has led historically to a decline in the market. And I'm just trying to warn people that our job as people who follow stocks is to say, look out. Okay. That's what I'm saying. Look out. Um, all right. That's based on one, one sort of very small subsegment of the market. But we are also moving through earnings, as I, I mentioned at the introduction to the right. show, 160 companies uh, from the S&P reporting in exactly. the next 24 hours, let's call it. Um, it doesn't feel like earnings season has been bad, but it doesn't feel particularly good in the sense of the P multiple for the market continues to move higher because the earnings have not appreciably moved beyond what many had anticipated. Well, I think that we've got, uh, it, uh, weirdly, it's day by day. Okay, so instance, for instance, Norwegian Cruise comes out today. And the travel and leisure business has been the brightest light. Yes. And Norwegian, which is no longer Frank Del, or Del Rio, reports a good quarter. And then they say business in the future is not that good. Uh, JetBlue reports a good quarter and business in the future not that good. Suddenly, Marriott reports a quarter business in the future better than expected. So you have what I regard as being at this moment mixed. And mixed is not great. Mix is not great. We started off very hot. We started with Wells being good and J.P. Morgan being good, Bank of being okay. Then the next week we had a, a couple of good ones. Well, also the regional banks, which were the which were the um, outstanding stocks of the month of July. But should they have been? Key did not have a good quarter, but it didn't seem oh, to matter. Zion's quarter was just okay. It was those okay, stocks yeah, were up but, top ten percent. Right, they're but, top ten for Russell one thousand. Yes, there many of them are up though, because of course expectations have been far worse than what they actually. Because reported. what happened in March turned out right. to be isolated. Right which was perhaps, we hope it yeah. was isolated. We think it was, and at this point it seems to be but, in the you know, I, mirror. I agree with you. I mean, you know, but then you take a look at a company like, like Eaton, which has been up pretty much every day and is up 30%. And Eaton, it's up 30% fierce like CAD. Uh, they pivoted to become a, a company that's very much charging, EV, grid. Mm-hmm. Stock reports an unbelievable number, and it, it goes up again, and it goes up again. Now, versus Pfizer, which then I'm saying, what I'm doing is trying to Tell create me. a mosaic of case by case. Okay. Pfizer reports a quarter, and if they don't get that CGEN deal, David, of which the FTC is reviewing, then I don't see any growth because they just have this weird cliff that goes on. But then Merck comes back, and Bob Davis on this morning, and he's just developing, developing, developing. Well, Keytrude is amazing. Keytrude is amazing. I mean, Keytrude by the way, is a we're running drug. through these. We might as well spend a little time on them. Well, you're just saying it's it, you can't. Paint it with a broad brush. Thank you. And that it's, it is company by company. Right. And the reason why you and I worked so well together and the fact that I had that shirt on yesterday 
is that you and I understand that I'm giving you information that buttresses your notion of, well, listen, it's not a great earnings season, but it's not a better earnings season. Right. Um, let's spend a little time on a couple of these names. I mean, you mentioned Pfizer, of course, and the yeah, CGen deal. They don't have much commentary on no, that. It's an important they... transaction for them. It's one we followed closely here, of course. Remember, they've gotten a second request from the FTC. My understanding, by the way, is it's quite a voluminous request. In fact, oh. it was enormous uh, in CGen what they asked needs for. Them. CGen now, needs them. The and paragraph they need very early in the press, the earnings press release from Pfizer simply says, um, we continue to work closely with regulators, including the FTC and the EC, by the way, uh, working dil- diligently to fulfill their request for further information. There still is that question, of course, with this very aggressive FTC, particularly on these kinds of transactions as to whether they will still, after that uh, second request is fulfilled, choose to try to block the deal. We will see. But, Jim, you know, Pfizer had such a great 21, of course, in the strength of COVID vaccines and its antivirals, um, used that cash to buy a lot of things, including CGen most prominently. Right. But you go back 20 years, and it's kind of back to take a look at a 20-year. I mean, it's... Uh, don't. It, I don't. Have, what it's do you just, mean, don't? It's just depressing. Yeah, it is kind of depressing. Look at that. It's up 16% in 20 years. It's depressing. And Dr. Borla, it's a good job. 20, but. 16%. I mean, you know, they, they bought this Nurtec, which is, you know, I'm the chief spokesperson for the American Migraine Foundation. It's the most important drug, I think, of, of our lifetime for, for a billion people who have it migraine. Just, you know, everybody attacks like pharma. It's with. not that easy to, like, do. I mean, look at that thing. Like, well, that's not where you want to be. You want to be in these smaller biotechs that get sold for enormous premiums. Now, there's a great deal of risk and volatility here. There's not, perhaps. But there ain't much going on when it comes to actual shareholder value being created right, over a so long period why, of time. Why is Merck creating great value and they're not? By the way, why I should ask. Great value uh, it's a great not. question. Let me just also Bristol's say not creating great value. Pfizer not, didn't buy back any stock, by the way. They're returning capital all in the form of dividends. Obviously, they're reinvesting capital in the business. They're also using it to buy other companies. But no share repurchases have been completed to date for Pfizer in 23. Well, David, the world moved on to obesity and diabetes. Okay? Yes. That's, those are epidemics. Yes. Um, and those were epidemics that were verified as being terrible during COVID. Yes. And the companies that moved on to that, literally Novo Nordisk, are crushing it. They are crushing so it. So you had to uh, so-called you, pick your diseases. And if you stuck with just cancer, which is a terrible disease, although, you did not have the growth. Although back to Merck, well, which you've mentioned they, okay, a number of times. Keytruda was $6.27 billion in sales for this quarter. That's winner take all. Up 19%. That's a big number. It's 21% a better constant currency. It's an amazing drug. It's an amazing drug. It's saving and, lives every right. day. And Bob Davis, who, like like, like his, his predecessor, they just don't like to stop. Say again, they don't. What? Bob Davis does, yeah. does not come on and say, this is the greatest drug ever, because anyone who's lost relative to cancer does not want to hear that such and such a drug is the greatest ever, because it may not save them. No, but, no doubt. But um, that was a remarkable quote. Yep. I'm looking at what he had to say, and we're not going to use it because he didn't really well, say anything. He was terrific. He was great, but it's like nothing we need to Wait, Okay, to. so let's just go to Uber because he just, was more excited. Let's go to, let's, well, you want to go to Uber? No, I um, just, it's not excitement that matters. It's actually, who saved more lives this quarter, Uber or Merck? Well, there's no doubt we know the answer. Well, there you go. Okay. You know, I, I want to stop for a minute on something else you talked about, which is the GLP-1s, which are Moderno, the Novo Nordisk drugs, um, 
Many say they're a game changer for the healthcare system in this country as a result of obesity. I think for Majorno is going to be the biggest drug of all time. I mean, it may very well be the biggest drug of all time. Lily stock we've talked about oftentimes. It's top uh, J&J's in market value. Well, they're doing By the way, I want to come back doing, to J&J with you as well. We didn't talk absolutely, about it Absolutely. They're doing yesterday. stuff for hypertension. I think the one that's going to be breakout that no one's going to want to really. Oh, they're doing for sleep apnea. Yeah. The one that no one wants to talk about is they're doing one for heavy drinkers. I know. Well, apparently it also stems your desire for alcohol. Which is that said, my wife's mezcal. That said, and not Wash. to, um, I did have a conversation yesterday with somebody who's deep in on many of these things and pointed out, you know, the, 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 the way they work is food sits longer in your stomach. Exactly. Which is not necessarily a great thing. But they also pointed out that you lose a third of your weight, of your weight loss is muscle mass, which for older people can be problematic once you go off the drug. Right. Uh, and but then did you follow what they're doing next year, how they have it so that the new and, one is going to be and, only And the question becomes, once you do go off, do you gain back the weight, you have instantly. less muscle mass? Instantly. And that's a real problem, potentially. Hey, and then you know, there is Joey a, Brown at the end of Something Like It Hot. Not, nobody's perfect. Right. Nobody's perfect. And then there is a trial going on right now on the impact of these GLP-1s on overall health, where they're going to be measuring cholesterol, right. measuring blood, all these other things oh, right. to see whether, in fact, they do have a positive impact, broadly speaking, beyond just reducing weight. Exactly. By the way, losing 25% of your weight in a 12-month period isn't always a great thing either, health-wise. It yeah, depends. Remember, obesity is epidemic. Yes. And so, therefore, we know from, unfortunately, we know from COVID that diet and exercise failed the American people. Because they did. They did. These are two things that we're just not very good at. Uh, you know, I, I wanted to spend a moment on it because these are such oh, important no, drugs. I think it's great. Nobody we kind of, we, we they, talk about them occasionally. Does not have, we haven't been following pharma here at no, CBC right, as closely does not as have we have in the past. Yeah. Uh, Lilly's built the capacity. We'll go over Moderna. They have the capacity with Lilly. David Ricks, another one of these non-promotional, fantastic CEOs in the pharma business, uh, is building out a tremendous amount of capacity for Moderna. Novo does not have the capacity to meet the Wagovi. Yeah. So let's keep that in mind. Yeah. Bristol seems to have fallen away, David. Uh, the cell gene acquisition did not help them as much as we thought. You have a limited number of drug companies that are really doing well here. And uh, whereas you have a, a large number of consumer packaged goods companies doing well here. But none of those is what you want if we're not going to have a recession. True. If you're not going to have a recession, you know what stock you want? What? Caterpillar. All right. Well, we're going to be talking to the CEO later in the program. Also, we didn't get to Uber. Shares are uh, up this morning. We want to talk about that perhaps in the, in the next block it's not of time. Going crazy. That we it was have. up two bucks initially. Don't forget, Lyft was one of the better performing stocks. Yeah, in Lyft the- is like a little nothing. Just, I mean, it's got what a few billion dollar market cap. Who cares? Why do you dismiss me as if I didn't even bother to do the work? I mean, I'm just questioning why you would do the work because on things one, that two, don't matter. Three, four, five, six, seven, questioning eight, your nine. Work ethic. Because I'm the just tenth, saying, why the bother? The tenth greatest gainer in the month of, of the Russell 1000 in the month of July was Lyft, up 32. percent That's why I wasted my time. All right, I take that's it. why I wrecked my I, night. I take. That's why I didn't watch the game. Oh no, is, is there was no game. Games? I take it all back. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. 
You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. Welcome back. Ten minutes till we start trading here at the New York Stock Exchange. Let's get to a mad dash. Stanley, Black & Decker. Yeah, okay, so one of the themes of this quarter is destocking. If you can get rid of your high-cost inventory and replace it with lower-cost inventory but keep your pricing, You've done quite well. That's something, by the way, that Newell did, NWL. You'll see that stock at a $500 million uh, free cash flow bonus. This is one, two. Now, this stock looks like it's going to be down. All right. And I totally understand that. My chapel trust owns it because the reason we look down is because if you look at the numbers, it looks like they didn't do that well. But that what, if you look underneath the numbers, what you see is they got rid of the high-cost inventory. And now they're bringing lower-cost inventory, but they're able to keep their price point because it's got a great brand. Uh, they're also moving a lot of the production from... Uh, expensive place, U.S. to Mexico, and also uh, an expensive place, China to Mexico, but Mexico is easier to transport up. Uh, there seems to be in the last six or seven weeks a dramatic increase in the amount of refurbishment and renovation being done in people's homes. We heard this from a company called AZEC not that long ago, which is decking. So there is a bit of a, a sea change going on in the country where we realized you can't sell your home, you don't want to lose your mortgage, so now you're starting to fix it up again. It's very nascent. And the biggest beneficiary of this will be Stanley Buckner. That was one of the most cogent explanations I've heard you give in a long time. Thank you very much. I spent, a, I spent a huge amount of time on this one. Uh, I, I don't even have any questions. Spoke to the CEO. I, I am feel, curious about this move to Mexico, not just that they're it's making, a really but interesting whether move. there are others that are making I'm it I'm so glad well. you mentioned it because a lot of companies feel like this is one of the reasons why China's having such a hard time. A lot of companies made decisions during the previous administration, perhaps it's time to be able to move from China to Mexico. Uh, Mexican labor costs are a little higher, but the health care is free. The pollution rules are not as stringent, but most importantly, David, KSU. Yeah, Canadian Pacific KSU and Union Pacific. It's much faster to bring and restock Home Depot and Lowe's. Lowe's, by the way, has a much bigger percentage of, of Stanley Black & Decker. And Home Depot does DeWalt, which is the professional. And they're loaded for bear and ready for this uh, refurbishment wave that, again, started six, seven weeks. Oh, by the way, no one seems to be able to figure it out other than the explanation that you can't sell your house because you got that great mortgage. So interesting. Okay. Uh, we got an opening bell just a few minutes away, of course. Remember, you can catch us anytime, anywhere, listen to and follow the Squawk on the Street opening bell podcast. A lot more earnings and stocks to discuss right after this. Experience the joy of running in the new Triumph 22 from Saucony, the original running brand. Stacked with luxury foam cushioning, Triumph 22 turns miles into smiles with the ultimate blend of comfort and energy return. Shop Triumph 22 at Saucony.com. That's S-A-U-C-O-N-Y.com. We tend to under-promise and over-deliver, uh, and everything came together this quarter. The team executed really well, and we plan to be profitable for, you know, every quarter going forward. Uber CEO Derek Khosrowshahi earlier on Squawk Box. The company did surprise investors. It had its first ever quarterly operating profit. Gross bookings were up 18% from a year ago. Revenue was a bit shy of analyst consensus. You can see it's not doing that much for the stock, but of course, it's up exactly 100% right now. By the way, it is also almost exactly a $100 billion market cap company. Yeah. And I think that's pretty great. But 
This is one of those that, if you remember, the torture way came public, uh, excited people, then it went down, there were a lot of issues, and then they were one of the first to pivot to decide to go for profitability. As many of that class has now gone for, they recognize that the market switched to wanting profitable growth from losses, and Dara has done a remarkable job, and it's become, uh, like DoorDash, like uh, some to be Etsy, like Shopify, uh, companies that, uh, Airbnb, that we now recognize as being the winners among a sea of losers. 600 companies came public during that period, and they're one of the winners. You know, I like free cash flow, obviously, is a very important metric. $1.1 billion in free cash flow. Net cash flows from operating activities, less capital expenditures is how they define it, but that is $1.1 billion. Um, $5.5 billion in unrestricted cash and cash equivalents at the end of the quarter. Uh, dude, uh, you know, I, this is it's a different story now, Jim, for Uber. It's the, the mobility story. Freight has not been doing as well as I think you would no, hope it would. No, they didn't. They decided they didn't like that. What I do think, David, is, is that we have to just sit back and say, they won, Lyft will be in there, and we'll have a second player. But they won a category that was up for grabs, and it's, uh, it's the game changer that succeeded. Like Airbnb, the game changer succeeded. Like Shopify, I was doing some work on uh, the incredible uh, Roku quarter last week, mm-hmm. and Shopify succeeded. These are great triumphs of engineering and, and great management, and I think it's worth it saluting them. It, I know that sounds very, uh, I'd say, let's just say idealistic, that there should be companies that we should look at and say, you know what, they did it. But wow, David, come on, they really... They no, deliver. Uber, Uber, yeah, and deliveries, by the way, gross bookings of $15.6 billion That's in delivery. Now, we, we they to, bought Postmates, and delivery domino, gross bookings of 14% buy. year over year. Domino's, and we want to find, you know, DoorDash, yep. it's going to be involved. David, I've got to tell you that, if, that when this first started, there was a dream that that was, that was unrealized, is of course, because the management was quite weak. And it's come around. And people who own the stock are going to make a lot well, of Well, the dream that Travis Kalanick had, of course, was really all about autonomy one day. Right. Which, uh, of course, we still talk about. And I mean, know. And I remember him saying, oh, you know, by this time, Manhattan was just going to be filled with autonomous vehicles in perfect unison. Not Nobody would ever need a garage again. Not, not happening. Nobody would ever get hit by a car. There would be hospital visits would go down. I mean, he had this... Well, you know, it, utopia. Tesla does imagining. have very good numbers about what the percentage of access yeah. would be. But I mean, I guess that's still the dream for Uber one day. Well, look, I think that that, that Jensen Wong's coming uh, is, is once again because of his brainiac that he's building. Uh, Musk has gotten very, um, I'd say, once again, idolatrous of Jensen Wong at NVIDIA, saying that he basically you need a huge amount of power to be able to figure out uh, autonomous. And I think they're going to combine resources again. Some people, by the way, David, are not, not as happy as when I come out and say really great things about Musk. We talk about individual issues that are, uh, yeah, that are let's say, become a, a divisive figure. There's yeah. no doubt about that. Doesn't take away from being the most consequential businessman on the planet, but he has certainly made a choice to be divisive. So did Henry Ford. Oh, Ford. Not good. Let's see what happens. Not Really interesting analysis, by the way. Adam Jonas talking about losing fifty thousand dollars per unit. Well, we're at the big board, American Homes for Rent, celebrating what is its tenth listing anniversary. 
very interesting company because we need homes. Release the homes. Elder to Nasdaq, Roads to Success. That's a nonprofit empowering young people in New York City to take control of their future. All right, where do you want to start now that we have started trading, Jim? Well, you know, David, I want to come back to this these transformational companies okay. that are uh, doing things that we just don't hurl. And again, I'm going to start with Eaton. Why? Because it's an $84 billion company that decided, you know what? We need to have the infrastructure for charging. So we're going to help redo the grid. That is a powerful theme. It's a theme stock. The uh, companies that are in aerospace, they're theme stocks. And the reason why I bring this up is it turned out that they had nothing to do with the top-down analysis of what would happen with the Fed and the the 20-year versus the two-year. And I think a lot of people, including us, got caught up in the mumbo-jumbo of what I learned when I was at Goldman Sachs, which is that you've got to respect the yield curve to the point of of checking your common sense at the door. But had you spoke to Craig Arnold, who's a remarkable CEO at Eaton, he would say, are you really thinking I'm being constrained by the 20-year? I have a business to run. Parker Hannafin, I have a business to run. Get out of my way. Dave Calhoun, I have a Boeing. I have a business to run. And what we have misjudged is the ability of American business people to to outrun J-PAL, the yield curve, and all those people. And if we focus on the yield curve, we miss Eaton, and we get caught up in something that makes us 5% and we're happy? We're happy? I don't want no stinking 5%. Uh, well, here you've got a lot more than that, even over the last three years, a lot more. Of course, 129%, a very but good then we have to worry about what, Can you get a little more specific at all in terms of what are they providing into the charging infrastructure, infrastructure that is being put in place? Your, what, in your house. Uh-huh. And they also make the grid so it's much, much harder. Uh, but they also do all the stuff involving trucks, truck drivetrain. They've not given up their old. They're not a beneficiary. They're directly from the from the Inflation Reduction Act. No, but they, they will. And right. They've got. They'll that. be a beneficiary of all the building that takes place. So, well, that's where I'm going, which is that one of the things that the great Larry Fink from BlackRock talked about is that the next wave, when he said the next wave of business will be all the people that we need in order to be able to. Uh, develop the Inflation Reduction Act, all that we need to do to be able to do all the climate control, the batteries. We saw yesterday on Semiconductor, remarkable number because they're involved with battery. Uh, but David, the one thing I come back and say, do the 5,000 people who are laid off at CVS and the 30,000 people at Yellow Freight, what do we do? Do they just become, they go on the dole, so to speak, and we talked about our parents' age? There still seems to be a lot of opportunity for people who are looking for, for employment. Jim, I want to stop you there because I, I, you mentioned you Ford very briefly, and we do have some news regarding oh. that company and its F-150 Lightning. Let's get over to Phil Please about reopen that. the line. David, uh, they have reopened the line, Jim. Yes, they have reopened the line. They are restarting production of the F-150 Lightning at the Rouge Production Plant in Dearborn, Michigan. It's been shut down the last six weeks for retooling. So this is what we'll see in terms of production that Ford expects of the F-150 Lightning you have a triple of the previous rate. Now that they have retooled the plant and reopened the plant, they expect to build 70,000 Lightnings this year altogether. But the annual production rate is going to ramp up between now and the end of the year, and it'll be up to 150,000. At least that's the target from Ford. In terms of the order bank, what do they have right now for 
people who have ordered Lightning and they're building it. The company is not giving a total, but it does say that they have orders to cover 45 days worth of Lightning production. And they have noticed an increase in the number of orders that have been placed since they announced the price cuts two weeks ago. They say there is a six-fold increase in the number of orders that have been placed since then over the last two weeks. Lightning prices, remember, two weeks ago, they cut them by approximately $10,000 or up to $10,000, depending on the trim level that you're looking at. So certainly good news if you're a Ford investor to see that the Rouge plant is reopened and Lightning production has restarted. Well, Phil, I'm so glad because when I was there, they were talking about doing doing exactly this. And then I was afraid what they might do is idle things because obviously it seems like almost the world's changed in a very short period of time in terms of what they can make. Now, Adam Jonas, whose work I think we all know is uh, uh, hot button, is talking about how Ford could be losing an amount of money per electric vehicle that is just unsustainable. And I, I have to believe that that Jim Farley is going to react to that and maybe figure out a way to make it so that, that those kinds of losses don't occur. Well, the, the price cuts will certainly help. The volume will help. There's no doubt about that. But look, they are, they are looking to lose $4.5 billion on electric vehicles this year. Three months ago, the expectation was that they were going to lose $3 billion. You do the math, Jim. This has been a rough three-month stretch for Ford as they look at higher costs, uh, being sunk into their electric vehicles. Will the volume increase that they are expecting from these price cuts be enough to, to make a dramatic cut in terms of how much they are losing per Lightning? Not immediately, but they're counting on the second and third generation Lightnings to really get the production volumes to the level that they need in order to become profitable on that line. But Phil, is it a time for a team of rivals? They've got Blue, they have Pro, they're crushing it. Uh, it's it's yep. very clear that if you have a, a, a car that has a, a combined engine where you're able to, where it goes, you're not as, yeah, it's not hybrid. a dirty engine. Uh, yeah, well, hybrid. What, I, what I'm worried about is this. If I work at those two divisions, I sit there and I look at all my profit being lost by EV. At what point do they say to Jim, you know what? We're, we're, we're tired of being redheaded stepchildren. We're making all the money. They're losing all the money. Do something. No, basically, what you're uh, you're advocating there with that scenario is uh, siphon it off, do some type of a spinoff or something with the electric vehicle business. That's not exactly. going to happen. That is not no. in the cards for, for for Bill Ford. He no, believes they, that they can make this transition. And I don't understand what you're saying, Jim. It's going to be a costly transition, far costlier than they expected just three months ago. But. They do believe that they can make this transition with the internal combustion engine vehicles, with the commercial vehicles, funding the losses in the EV business until they get up to scale. But why can't those two divisions say, listen, we're, we're okay, we're all one Ford, but you have to be held accountable too. We're not the only ones that have to fire people all the time. EV, you're fat and you're Driving our, you're driving our business and you're crushing us. Can't those two companies, their leaders say, listen, we're happy to have you, but you're just a rival. You're not the, the fair-haired child after this. Well, now you get into the question that all companies encounter when you've got basically a conglomerate type approach where right. you've got one division and another division. Uh, and, and this is going to be a real challenge for Ford. Look, for 100 years, this has been all under one umbrella at Ford. And yes, there have been fiefdoms. You know, truck people have not always worked well with other divisions, but they've always been under one division. 
That's not the case anymore. Now you have these three divisions, and they're all going to play nice in the sandbox because Bill Ford wants them to play nice in the sandbox. But make no mistake, you will continue to see the ICE vehicles as well as the commercial vehicles fund electric vehicles. And, and if you're working in the ICE division, you may not be crazy about that, but you know where the future is, and you know what's the future for Ford. You know that you have to do this. Fantastic. This fantastic. Phil, um, thank you, as always, for bringing us the news uh -huh. and a lot of analysis along with it. Phil LeBeau. Um, speaking of companies in transition, yep, Jim, CVS comes to mind because I, sometimes I think we fail to explain what a transition has taken place there from still what many Americans probably think of as their drugstore, their yes. pharmacy, to a broad provider of healthcare services and insurance. Obviously, they own Aetna. They own Signify right. Health. Right. They, own, they just completed a large acquisition of a home health uh, 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 company. Right. Um, and on from there, they're also laying off 5,000 uh, workers, well, look, as you pointed a, out earlier. Karen Lynch understands the hand she's been given, the CEO by Larry Merlo. She's got a good yield. Uh, the stock's down 20% for the year, and I think a lot of it is people recognize, David, that you can get your some of your products faster from Amazon than it takes to get that person with the key to open the plastic. It makes it so it's one of the least hospitable places to shop in America, other than its competitor, Walgreens. Yes, it's, you know, when you want an ice cream sandwich, although it's very hard to find a good one these days anyway, it yeah. really kind of takes the fun out of it when you got to ask somebody to open up the freezer it, with a key. Look, I, but I, that I, said, this yeah. is not what the company's about any longer. It's a healthcare company. Yeah. It's a darn good healthcare company, and it doesn't get any credit for it, and I'm glad you brought it up. Very different approach. I mean, Walgreens is sort of not quite as... Certain. Not yet. I mean, you with know, Ross Brewer, Brewer. Has to, she has to do it. You have to do that pivot. They're going to be doing it with um, docs in a box, whatever you want to call it. But, right. But look, these two companies, David, are uniquely challenged uh, by a world where you can put something on Amazon. I mentioned Amazon because they're reporting this week. You put it on automatic and it just comes to your house and it's just so much easier. At the same time, the, the estimates for Amazon, just so we know, are still very high. Estimates for Amazon, so which we're going to hear from later in the week. Yeah, Amazon Web Services. People are still using a, a number of growth of ten uh, percent. I, uh, I don't think they can do that for Web Services. You don't? Ooh. No, I think it'd be five, six percent. That would be the lowest growth rate that AWS has ever had, right? Agreed. Without a doubt. Agreed. I mean, there is a belief that it's going to start inflecting. And yes, that and growth that's is going up. AI. We're talking now about Amazon, and right. of course, it's enormously important unit cloud company. That's right. still what is the dominant or Number one, yes. AWS. David, I just want to deviate for one second. Uh, I am sick of companies coming on my show and talking about their artificial intelligence. Okay, why? Because it's such a small part of so many companies' business. Now, there's very good piece of barons about how the only company that really has a huge business is NVIDIA. Uh, secondarily, uh, Adobe does have a big business. But companies that come on, they have money, listen up. If you're going to start by talking about how your AI is going to revolutionize the world, you better be named Jensen Wong. All right. They've been put on notice. It does excite the investor base. Well, that's the problem. And we see losses that are going to be generated of horrific proportions by people who decide, you know what, my company's AI. In the same way that we used to have my company's Bitcoin. At the you know, same time, if you're, if you're running one of these companies, you do need to be thinking about how you can incorporate well, AI into your yourself. business. Tell your spouse, don't come on my show. No free passes. No free passes. All right, still to come, Caterpillar CEO, 
He will be joining us uh, momentarily this after the company reported its results for the quarter. We'll talk about those results, business in China, a lot more there. Before we head to break, let's give you a quick look at the bond market and check how uh, treasuries are faring at this hour. We got yields uh, up a bit, 4.9% on that two-year, and as we like to take a look uh, over the 10 or 4.017, narrowing a bit, I think, today. We're back after this. All right, Caterpillar CEO coming up right after this. So quickly, tell me what's on Mad today. Dated 107 years ago, Great White Shark went to Matawan. It was a terrible incident, and just so close to New York, killed so many people. Uh, I always think about it because we have Chart Week, not Shark Week, which ended last week. We've got Shark Week. Nobody gets hurt. Everybody plays the rules. I actually introduce chartists in person. And you like it. And then we have Rockwell, which is really the great story of reshoring and American industrialization. I know you care about that. And then Pinterest. Remember when that became a problematic situation? Yeah. I want to compare Pinterest to letter X. X. X, yes. Not U.S. The Steel anymore, formerly huh? formerly known as Twitter. They're, and they are bigger than U.S. Steel. They are. All right, up next, Caterpillar CEO will join us. Don't go anywhere. One of the great American industrial companies, Caterpillar, reporting second quarter results that beat both on the Top and bottom line, Ch- Chairman and CEO Jim Ogilvy from Caterpillar joins us now exclusively. Jim, it's happy to see you on a day when people seem to realize that the business that you have is probably the best I've ever seen it in the history of my watching Caterpillar. Well, good morning, Jim. Great to be with you and David this morning. So tell me, when you are making more, have more demand than you've ever had, and you're making it for less money, what does that do for the bottom line? Well, you know, I'm, I want to start by thanking our global team for just another very strong quarter. You know, our sales are up uh, 22%. We, uh, all three of our primary segments were up between 19 and 27% on the top line, uh, 5.55 in adjusted operating profit per share. First time we've ever broken $5. So that's maybe that's answered your question. It really, right, uh, it, the results are showing up in the bottom line. That's the fabled number that we all remember from 1982 when we said one day cattle will do it. <clears throat> Excuse me. And you did it. Now, one of the things I thought was very good was that you did not hype what can happen in 2024. But there is an amount of infrastructure money coming your way that they want to buy American. And I know that from speaking with the people who are involved. I want to know whether you're prepared for the influx of orders. Well, Jim, you know, we do serve a diverse set of attractive markets, and we talked a lot about all three of those markets on our earnings call. And we are starting to see some benefit from uh, the bills that passed earlier this year. About 75% of our construction industry's business is what we call non-residential, and we are starting to see some benefit from that. it's, It's uncertain in terms of how long it will take for permitting to occur on certain projects, but we do feel that the projects will will manifest themselves over time, which will help us. We are working very hard to uh, to ensure that our supply chain is robust enough to handle future increases in demand. And we have seen improvement, but there are some pockets of real challenge that we're still dealing with. Well, why don't you go over those? Because I, you know I own the French Chapel Trust, and I have been a huge believer. And at 206, said, listen, this is the bottom you came on. But I want people to understand that, that not everything is perfect, and you've got some examples, including the next quarter, which some people could say is not going to be as strong as, as some would like. Well, we do expect the third quarter to be up in both revenue and margins compared to the third quarter of last year. Sequentially, we expect it to be down second quarter this year to third quarter, but that's in line with our normal seasonal pattern, so that shouldn't be a surprise to anyone. Uh, we are still dealing with some supply chain issues. The situation has improved. Uh, but we do have areas of, of challenge, particularly around large engines, 
which impacts energy and transportation and some of our larger machines. And we are still dealing, believe it or not, with still some chip issues which impact things like displays. But again, overall, it's gotten better, but it only takes one component to prevent us from shipping a machine or an engine. Understood. Uh, there is also, but there is a great misunderstanding about your company. I still speak to people and say, you know what, their China business isn't that strong. I think I've got a half dozen businesses that you have that matter more than China these days. Isn't that true? Well, China typically is 5 to 10% of our total company sales. And we told our investors during our first quarter call that we expected to be low, below that range. And the market has gotten even weaker. So we expect to be, again, down in China. But the good news is, even with the Chinese market below that 5 to 10% of our typical range, we just produced record results. Again, as I mentioned earlier, we serve a, a diverse set of end markets, oil and gas, power generation, mining, construction. Yeah, I want to actually ask about another one, but I I'd love to come back to China for a second. Not as much really as it matters to CAD as it does to just broadly speaking. I mean, you indicated things were even weaker than you anticipated. What is going on there, Tim? Well, you know, I think it's important, David, to remember that, that our business in China is primarily hydraulic excavators 10 ton and above. So when we talk about weakness in China, we're really talking about that market. And that market does move up and down over time. We saw a couple of very strong years in 20 and 20, 2020 and 2021, a decline in 2022, and now a further decline in 2023. So I think it's difficult to draw too many analogies from the market that we serve to the total Chinese economy. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll try and get you to draw an analogy then uh, for something we talk about every day here, which is data center demand. In particular, of course, the rise of AI and what that's going to mean. I did note in your call that was called out very early in terms of power generation. Can you explain to our viewers how you're benefiting from that? Yeah, well, thank you, David. We sell backup generator sets for data centers, and that business is quite strong. As you mentioned, it's being driven by AI and a lot of other factors. And not only is it increasing uh, our sales of uh, generator sets for backup, it's also, of course, increasing total energy demand, which we think is a positive thing for our business. Our customers use our products to produce the commodities to help satisfy the world's global energy demand. And one of the things that's also occurring is more renewables get added to the grid. That does create some instability issues due to the intermittent nature of those power sources. We believe that presents an opportunity for us over time. This is more of a medium long-term kind of opportunity to sell both our reciprocating engine generator sets and gas turbine generator sets for what we call distributed power generations across the grid. And those engines and turbines can burn a whole variety of fuels, natural gas, hydrogen blends, biofuels, and all the rest. Well, Jim, I think that when you talk about that, what people have to realize, there's two camps who follow your stock. There's the camp which says that this has got to be a cyclical peak, and therefore you must sell it. And then there's the camp that says, wait a second, this man has come in and decided, you know what, he's going to de-cyclicalize this company. When I see this quarter, I tend not to believe, well, geez, I don't see anything about soft landing. I don't see anything about Fed. I don't see anything about the two-year. I don't see anything about the 10-year. What I see is a group of businesses that are uniquely purposeful for this time. Can you talk about how you made this company uncyclical and you decyclicized it? Well, I'm very, again, very proud of our global team and the hard work that they've done. We introduced a new strategy in 2017, and we told our investors that we would produce higher operating margins across uh, at different sales levels and also would produce more consistent higher free cash flows. I'm very proud of what our team has done. To your point, we do serve a variety of end markets. So oftentimes when people think about Caterpillar, they just think about construction. Very important uh, segment for us, and we're doing quite well there, but we have other segments as well. 
And so, again, just proud of what the team has accomplished. You know, between, between 2017 and 2022, for every year except 2020, we produced five to six billion dollars of free cash flow. And even in 2020, when we lost more than 20 percent of our top line, we still achieved three billion of, of cash flow. Yeah. Today, we told investors just in our earnings call that we expected to be around the top end of our range for MENT free cash flow. That's 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 around $8 billion this year. So again, very, very excited about how the team is performing. You know, you've been successful, obviously, not only in terms of increasing volumes, but also price. And I am curious as to your thoughts about price, Jim, and how much more you have there to push customers in terms of that. Well, you know, we make price decisions based on a whole variety of factors. Obviously, we look at input costs, but we also look closely at what's happening uh, competitively in the various markets that we serve in those diverse uh, end markets that we talked about. So there isn't one size fits all. We look at the individual situation by geography, by product, and we make a call. So again, very difficult to predict what's going on in the future, but I'm confident that you know we have the ability to remain competitive and still produce the returns for our shareholders that we've talked about this morning. Hi, Jim, I want to congratulate you and, yes, your team. Your level of humility is very rare. You come on, you tell, every time I said that you did good, you said your team did good. And maybe that's the way we should be in America. Thank you so much, Jim. I will be Chairman and CEO of Caterpillar. Good to see you. Thank you, Jim and David. Appreciate it. Um, 52-week high, all-time high, $145 billion market value now. And as you pointed out at the beginning of the show, the stock has reacted very positively to the call. Well, in 2017, he told me that he was going to make it so there would be no peaks and valleys. And I said, yeah, I'll believe it when I see it. I see it. You do. I believe it. All right. I will see you later, as will everybody else in Mad Money. Coming up right here, we're going to have more reaction to all those earnings we're getting as we kick off a new month of trading. Rebecca. You've been listening to the opening hour of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. All opinions expressed by the Squawk on the Street participants are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, or their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by them on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed on this podcast as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of an opinion. Such opinions are based upon information Squawk on the Street participants consider reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warrant its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Squawk on the Street disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash Squawk on the Street disclaimer. Experience the joy of running in the new Triumph 22 from Saucony, the original running brand. Stacked with luxury foam cushioning, Triumph 22 turns miles into smiles with the ultimate blend of comfort and energy return. Shop Triumph 22 at Saucony.com. That's S-A-U-C-O-N-Y.com.